With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast. I'm Daniel Salerson. Of course, this podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Normally, we're Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but due to the holiday schedule, we bring you another edition tomorrow, today as the Pelicans wrap up the road trip against the New York Knicks. We'll talk about that game in a little bit, um, but there was some unfortunate news uh, a couple days ago, the passing of Lucia Harris, who was the first woman ever drafted um, in the NBA, the seventh round to the New Orleans Jazz back in 1977. And for that, we welcome in Rod Walker, the newest recipient of the National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year Award for Louisiana. He wrote an article on Lucia almost four years ago when it was the 40th anniversary um, of her getting drafted by the New Orleans Jazz. Rob, I appreciate the time. Congratulations on the award. I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. I'm glad yeah, to be absolutely. here. Absolutely. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Um, let's talk about Lucia a little bit because she um, is a very important person in not only just NBA history being the first woman ever drafted, but I feel like basketball in general, she was labeled uh, rightfully so the queen of basketball. So I remember when you did that piece a few years ago, I believe we had you on talking about her, but it was also about her play and how dominant she was in the women's game. Just what do you remember about just between, I watched a bunch of highlights over the last couple of days, but I mean, she was crushing it at Delta State. She continued to crush it um, in professional women's basketball back then. Just what do you remember most about Lucia? I think for me, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, um, probably about, I guess, an hour from where she's from. She's from Mentor City. I'm from Yazoo City. And um, just growing up, I mean, she was just one of those names that everybody just always, I mean, you grew up in Mississippi, you knew um, for the most part who she was. And you may not have known you know, some of the things that she went on to do, but everybody knew who she was. They knew about those Delta State programs. Delta State was basically like UConn back then. Right. I mean, they were they were like running things. You know, they were coached by the great Margaret Wade, who, um, you know, she's the, the women's basketball, college basketball award now is named after Margaret Wade, Teresa, Teresa Weatherspoon. You know, she won that honor back in uh, 88. Nancy Lieberman won it, uh, I guess, 77, won the second, you know, so. Um, Delta State was like the premier um, women's basketball program, you know, back in the uh, mid mid to late 70s. And, you know, they continued to dominate in Division Two in the 90s. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she was just a, a basketball legend. And, I mean, Mississippi has produced some really great uh, women's basketball players. And, you know, she'd be, definitely be at the top of that list when you talk about those the people who come through there. What does it mean for, I guess, the history of basketball when she's the first ever woman to be drafted in the NBA seventh round? 
And I remember reading your article about how she didn't even want to take it. She thought it was a publicity stunt. They really weren't drafting her for her basketball. But I think back then and even now, I mean, we still haven't had a woman since then being drafted. That was a significant history point in not only the NBA, but in sports in general. I think I don't think people realize how important that moment was for her and for the rest of the country. Yeah, I mean, it just says a lot about how how good she was, even if it was a publicity stunt. And, you know, back then, obviously, the draft was a lot longer than it is now. They were, they were going eight rounds back then. She was picking the seventh round. So, uh, you know, funny story, you know, uh, Bruce Jenner, now Caitlyn Jenner, was drafted um, two spots behind her. And he, he had just won a decathlon in the Olympics the year before that um, in 76, the Montreal Olympics. And she was actually in that um, same Olympics. She scored the very first point, you know, by a woman in, um, you know, women's basketball in the Olympics. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that the NBA knew about a woman's basketball player at this, you know, pretty small school in Mississippi, that tells you how good she was. And, um, I mean, she scored almost 3,000 points in her career. She averaged, you know, 26 points and 14 and a half rebounds, won three national championships at Delta State. So, I mean, she was she was phenomenal and she's a trailblazer for the game and you know it's unfortunate there was no WNBA at the time so a lot of people didn't get a chance to see who she was WNBA came you know another 20 years later after her career uh, wrapped up but you know if, if there had been a WNBA she would have probably been you know the first pick ever for that uh, organization so well what do you think would have happened if she actually accepted you know being drafted by the Jazz and actually play what do you think it could have done to see a female playing in the NBA? Man, you know, you know, a couple of years ago, I guess you had a thing with, you know, Brittany Griner was talking about, I think she said she could take DeMarcus Cousins or something she said. Yeah. But, you know, I think it definitely would have um, probably changed women's basketball as we know it. You know, it, it took, again, another 20 years for the WNBA to even come around. I mean, there were some other professional leagues, but, you know, had she got that opportunity and actually play, I mean, there's no telling what <laughs> – how much the game would have changed and just, or just how, you know, how she would have expedited that process of, of getting, you know, women's professional basketball to the forefront like it is now. You talk about her being a trailblazers and I know one of them is being drafted in the NBA, but what other ways would you describe her as a trailblazer for the, for the game of basketball? Um, of course, in the, in the NBA, in the basketball hall of fame, again, every accolade you can think of for women's basketball, she's won it. Um, and has done really well with it. But what makes her a trailblazer for the sport of basketball? I think just because at that time, you know, women's basketball wasn't really, I mean, there was a school in Immaculata who had won the first three national championships, you know, once they started doing that. And then Delta State came and won the next three. I mean, women's basketball was just starting. And um, one of those Delta State championships, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but it was the first time they had actually even televised a national championship game. And, um, and actually, that game was it was a delayed broadcast, but you know it was televised. I mean, right. before that, I mean, they were people just weren't really paying attention to it. So, you know, for this to be happening back in in, in the nineteen seventies was you know it's pretty remarkable. So, I mean, she she helped um, just get it out there, and, and you know, unfortunately, you know, it probably faded off a little bit. And then again, I, I keep talking about the WNBA, which started in nineteen ninety six, but you know, eventually it came around. It took a lot of time, and you know. Unfortunately, she didn't get a chance to to show what she could do on a national stage like she should have other than the, the Olympic team when they won the silver medal. Before we get into the Pelicans, do you think we'll ever get to a point where we see a, a WNBA player or a female player being drafted in the NBA? I know there's only two rounds now, and again, she was drafted around some, but you think at some point we get to the point where we see someone else drafting, a female drafted in the NBA? 
Uh, it may happen. I mean, it's gonna have to be a, a really dominant player like right. like she was. I mean, who was just, you know, she was head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, not just physically, but I mean, she was just just dominant. You know, just kind of before her time. You know, I, I was reading a an article by a good friend of mine in Mississippi. He wrote a column about it. You know, he was calling her like the. You know, he was, she was kind of like a Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell for her time in, in women's basketball. I mean, she was just, you know, above her, just ahead of her time. And um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it'll take somebody like that, you know, if it ever happens. But, you know, I think the WNBA is is making strides as well. And, you know, you know, I think that league is doing, is doing pretty good itself. So I don't know if it'll happen or not. Yeah, the popularity in WNBA is definitely growing. You can tell with the playoffs last year and it's a really good product on the floor. And we'll be interesting to see how it continues to grow. Um, let's talk about this Pelicans team, though, Rob. Well, they're uh, struggling on this road trip a little bit, but they did have some momentum at home heading into this trip. I know we've seen a lot of ups and downs, and it's kind of the best way to describe this team. But, you know, we're a little over halfway point now. How would you describe what the Pelicans they able to do most recently and kind of how they've been able to bounce back from their really rough start early on? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to – it all starts at the top, and I think the job that Willie Green has done um, so far has been tremendous. I mean, this team – you know. You start off slow like this team did. They could have easily just, you know, kind of got discouraged, especially coming off of last year. And um, he somehow was able to keep this team together. And um, what they've done, I think, has been, you know, pretty incredible, especially once he, you know, went to this to this starting lineup, you know, the five that he's starting now. And um, just just to keep that thing together is it says a lot about him. And you look at this team, you watch them on the bench, um, you watch them during the games. I mean, they're enjoying each other. Even you watch them in, in the um, pregame introductions and you can just tell these guys are having fun. And um, that that probably wasn't the case at the beginning of the season, but he was able to, you know, to make sure they did. And, um, you know, winning sort of makes things fun. And they they started to win. They're, they're still in the um, playoff hunt. Um, I don't have the standings in front of him, but uh, two, two and a half, three games, right. you know, out of that 10 spot. So, I mean, you know, they still have something to play for. And, you know, they're doing this without arguably their best player in Zion Williamson, although, you know, Brandon Ingram's making a case for that as well. I mean, he's putting up some all-star type numbers, and obviously Jonas is, is playing really well, and I just think this team's doing, you know, I think they've bounced back in a, in a big way. Yeah, it might be a little tough to get Brandon in the all-star game just based on where this team is at. He definitely deserves an all-star bid, I think, based on what he's been able to do. But I remember after the Timberwolves win, you know, he kind of shouted, my city after he hit that game-winning three, which I think kind of really described what Brandon Ingram's all about. This is a, a young guy that got traded from the Lakers, um, a top three pick, um, and I think he has really embraced his role as the guy on this team. And I know Zion Williams is one of those guys too, but he's on the floor. Uh, what do you see from Brandon as kind of being that leader, even at his age, 24 years old, uh, being one of the leaders of this young team? Yeah, I mean, we've seen him, you know, this is his, what, fourth year here, third year? Thirty, yeah. Thirty, okay. I mean, we've seen him, you know, just just continue to ascent. You know, as, as he's been here, he made the All Star game two seasons ago, and um, I think he's more of a, I don't know if he's a like in your face kind of leader, but he just kind of gets it done. You know, he's a quiet, quiet leader, but he, you know, he gets buckets, and you know, he kind of, I, I, I always compare him to Kevin Durant. Obviously, I mean, Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the world, but to me, Brandon has like a, you know, he's like a. A, a different version of Durant, but I mean, he just has some of those same um, characteristics. I mean, he's, he has that killer instinct, I think, and you're starting to see that more. I mean, he, he wants to close out these games. I mean, we know that big, big shot that you mentioned, uh, that was just a big time shot. And he, he wants that moment and he is, 
he feels like it's his team now, and and I think that's that's good. And that's that's what this team they need a leader like that on this team to to carry them down the stretch. I mean, this team there have been some times when they in the past, especially you know, they struggled closing out games, and now they have a guy they feel like they can count on, and, and he feels like he can be counted on. Another guy that the Pelicans can count on, and last thing for you before I let you go is Herbert Jones. And I think again, I've been asking everyone about this guy, thirty fifth overall pick. We didn't know what he had offensively. Defensively, everyone kind of had an idea. You saw that during summer league. You heard about it during, you know, preseason workouts. But now you're seeing the real thing. You're starting to see it on both ends of the floor. And I think everyone just kind of has the question, how is this guy 35th overall when he is now up there in the rookie of the year conversation? Again, I don't think he's in – a lot of people are saying not in the top three or four, but he's definitely now in that conversation, at least for all rookie team. I mean, how impressive is it to see a guy that, again – was not a big name. He was a big name in college for Alabama, but not really someone everyone had their eye on in the draft. And now all of a sudden, if he's not on the floor for this Pelicans team, they're in trouble right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible to see a, a rookie make that kind of transition from college where he was SEC defensive player of the year to the NBA, especially on the defensive end. And, you know, a lot of times with, you know, you mentioned like rookie of the year and all that. I mean, you look at his numbers, they're probably not going to jump off the stat sheet. And when, you, when you're a guy that plays good defense like that, like a lot of times the people who are voting, you almost have to watch Herb every night to really appreciate what he's doing. Sure. And so, I mean, that's probably going to hurt him because he, his numbers aren't eye-popping. But um, guys who see him, people that play against him every night, I mean, I mean, we've seen just different players already just kind of raving about how good he is defensively. And, you know, that name, you know, once you get that reputation, it's going to continue and it's going to grow around the league and people are going to know who Herb Jones is. And, um, and I mean, the players in the league already know, but I mean, just as far as these writers, voters who aren't watching the Pelicans every night, they're probably missing out on a really good player who um, hopefully he gets his due and hopefully he's on the all-rookie team. But again, I just don't know if he will be just because of, because of his defensive prowess and people just don't, tend not to appreciate that as much as they probably should. Absolutely. That's Rod Walker, who is a columnist for the Times Picayune, National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year for this great state. Rod does a tremendous job not only with the Pelicans, the Saints, college athletics, high school, you name it. Uh, Rod's done it. And also, you know, look, go look out back at that article that he wrote on Lucia Harris a few years ago. It was great then. And now kind of to put things in perspective, the type of person that she was, um, before she passed away, they called her the queen of basketball. I think that's pretty fair to say based on all the things she did for the game and also for the women's game as well. Rod, I appreciate you sharing your stories about her with us, and I appreciate the time again. Congratulations on the well-deserved award. All right. Thanks a lot, Dave. Again, that's Rod Walker, sports columnist for the Times, picking you, New Orleans advocate. You can follow his work at NOLA.com and follow him on Twitter at Rod Walker NOLA. Again, winning the National Sports Media Award Association Sports Writer of the Year in Louisiana, well-deserved. And again, a great article on Lucia Harris a few years ago, again, who passed away a couple days ago, first ever woman drafted in the NBA round seven here in New Orleans with the Jazz. So the Pelicans are wrapping up their three-game road trip tonight in Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks. Two teams that are desperate for a win. The Knicks have lost two straight at home. Pelicans have lost two straight on this road trip, so the Pelicans looking to salvage the road trip before heading home. They'll have the weekend off, and then we'll take on the Indiana Pacers on Monday inside the Smoothie King Center for Star Wars night. For all you Star Wars fans, be on the lookout for info on what's going on on Monday night against the Pacers. You don't want to miss Star Wars night, and we'll actually have a podcast for you, a Star Wars-themed podcast for you on Monday 
as well. We won't have one tomorrow. Um, but again, we had a great week with Rod Walker and Nick Friedel. And of course, Curtis Aikie talking about the passing of Gail Latou. So again, tune in to Valley Sports New Orleans tonight at 6.30. Also, ESPN New Orleans with 100.3 at 6.30 as well. Pre-game for both will begin at 6 p.m. Hope everyone has a great weekend. And we'll talk to you on Monday for Rod Walker. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.